The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Welcome back to another Afternoons with Mike here on the Shepherd Radio Network. It's a rainy day today. It's kind of unusual if you're visiting from uh, upstate or up, uh, up in the nation, up north, as we would say. Uh, I know this is great. This liquid sunshine is maybe not what you were expecting, but it is what it is. Uh, And uh, I am honored today to present to you another guest who forded her way through the rain safely, thankfully, and is here today in the studio with me. Barbara Perez is an attorney. She works in immigration law. She's been here once before last April Uh, I did not have a chance to read the book prior to that one, but she's written an awesome book called Through God's Eyes. And I tell you, it's an inspirational book. I really enjoy it. It's just tremendous. The uh, way she writes and what she writes is so meaningful. And I know it's going to touch a lot of hearts. Barbara, welcome to the program. Thank you, Mike, for having me. You know, this idea of writing a book I don't know. Now, you're an attorney. You've read a lot. Yes. (laughs) I don't think there's ever an attorney that uh, might not have suffered eye strain at some point or another in their schooling. Especially in law school. That's right. In law school, you just have to go through case after case after case. Thousands of pages every single day. Oh, come on. Really? Yes. Now, that's even more than I imagined. Yes. It's a lot. So you have to be good at speed reading, right? You have to be, but you also have to make sure that you're understanding. And that's just it. I know that when I I trained in school, I know this is weird to say that because I'm sure they don't teach this the same way now. I don't know how they teach it or even if they do teach it. But we had a mechanical um, reader, if you will, or it was like a, a thing that they would project. Now, in this day, they didn't have projectors, so it wasn't film. It wasn't... It wasn't even, it wasn't certainly videotape that wasn't even around back then. So it was literally an overhead projection and it was a mechanical machine that would block out everything but one line at a time. And it would mechanically move down the page, exposing only a, a, about, about a sentence okay. each, each time up on that screen. Now, so the class members, those of us that were there, we had to, number one, be able to see those small words on that screen. I don't know how we did that. Right. And number two, it was low tech. I mean, really, really, I say low tech. I mean, people today would laugh at what we did. Right. But, you know, we were graded on it. So right. every kid that I know of, I certainly took it seriously. And I had to kind of learn to grab, and that must be what you do. You grab almost a sentence at a time. Yes. And yes. then comprehension. You're tested after this on comprehension. Yes, we are every day. So you have to know it. And do you ever get tired of doing that? Yes, we. it was very tiring. Um, I went to school at night. Um, so you so worked? I, I had my daughter. She was two and a half. Oh, that's right. I remember And this. I did work. I actually, I was selling uh, stuff on eBay at that time to be able to uh, pay off my school but I was also working at the school. Man, I just respect you a whole bunch more now that you told me that. <laughs> you sold things on eBay. Yes. Now, yes. You really took advantage of that tech. Yes. I yes. used to sell musical stuff on eBay. It's a great platform. Yeah. It's a great platform. They've gotten a, a bit pricey on their... They uh, have. Yeah. <laughs> they have. I think when, when I sold, it was great. Um, we... I would come back from school around midnight because I had classes at night and then I would work at the library at school, which was helpful because it was quiet at night. I could study then, Wow! but I would get home like around midnight. And then that's when I would uh, pack up all the stuff that I needed to ship the next day. That is such a great story. And, you know, you've learned in your life, obviously, you're a, a mom still of a couple of young kids. Two young kids. They're they're still quite young. And you've learned to kind of juggle all of these responsibilities. And, you know, even doing what you were doing with eBay, I mean, that's not easy stuff. There's a, there's a lot to it. You have to understand the right. whole 
uh, pricing and and then you you have to become a proficient shipper. All of these things are involved. And you did all of that with a couple of kids and while you're studying. Right. Yeah, I think. And reading thousands of pages. Yes. Um, The way I see it is, you know, we have all these amazing opportunities right in front of us. And if we don't take advantage of them, somebody else will. And we sometimes I would say, well, I don't have enough time, but we if we prioritize what we think it's important we'll get things done yeah and um at that time we sacrificed a lot um in our family with our kids but now we're seeing the results of all those four years of sacrifices mm-hmm. so when i look back i think okay that was it was hard there's but it fruit. was worth it yeah there's great fruit and it, it is really amazing to see your kids and to realize that it is possible even in 2023 to juggle a lot of responsibility, do a lot of things. You do, and as the name of that one book that's out there called Do Hard Things. Yes. You've done hard things in your life and you've accomplished it. I know Felix, your husband as well. He yes. is just such a great guy. And the two of you work at it. I know you would say that life hasn't been perfect. And I know that's true for all of us. Right. But uh, when I read your book, and I and now even understanding some of the back uh, drop, the backstory on uh, what it took to write it, because on a, in addition to all of these other things, you wrote it during the pandemic, and that in itself, for a lot of people, was a game changer in a negative direction. It was, and I think that for us, um, especially for me, it was uh, changed in a good direction. Both because I I got to write this book. And also because it was at that time when I when I left the job that I had at that time and I started my own um, yeah the business, business. Mm-hmm. and so um, you know you can you can look at things two ways I I see you can you can either say okay this is this is not going to work out I'm not going to make it or you can say well you know it's hard but this is an opportunity either to start over or to really take a look at what's going on and make changes. And I think that's what happened with the pandemic for a lot of people. They took advantage mm-hmm. and they either, you know, they learned new new trade, they studied. Um, like in my case, I decided to write and and move on to a to a better business position. But a lot of people get stuck. And I think that's also what I write in the book. You know, we can look at our circumstances and say, well, life hasn't been good to me, right? Mm-hmm. I, I haven't had the opportunities that my friends have had. I haven't had the chances to do what other people, and we can stay stuck there. But we can also say, well, I didn't have those opportunities, but can I make those myself? Can I knock on doors? Can I do something to get out of this rut? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one of the key things that I talk about in the book. Yeah, that, that's well said, to do something to get out of the rut. Because I think it is probably most people's experiences that they get into a rut. Right. They get into bad habits. Right. You know, uh, I heard years ago, a rut is the same thing as a grave with both ends knocked out. Oh, wow. With both ends knocked out. Now that, you think about a a grave Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's usually a a long rectangular, but a rut is just like if they were, if they just furrowed out both ends Mm -hmm. and, and you're buried you're you're dead right and you don't even know you're dead though. right you're just kind of going along in the rut uh, there's so many great metaphors about mm-hmm. about being in a rut that mm-hmm. really work but that's exactly what you have to do you have to get out of mm-hmm. it some people's ruts are like yours mm-hmm. they were there for years yes even back to childhood like yours was mm-hmm. and you know you think uh, you know ideal as you i'm sure you know i'm part of uh, a ministry to women here in the uh, city called Choices. It's a women's clinic, and I love this group. It's a privilege to be a part of them, and we see people there who are living in pain, just like what uh, you, somewhat uh, uh, similar to the kind of um, emotional depths that you went through in your lifetime. And one of the things that I think is is life-changing for these people is that they talk to someone along the way mm-hmm. who gives them hope. Right. And somebody somewhere in your life did just that for you. Right. 
I, I think that's important. And, and it is definitely important that the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. Because um, that's where you're either going to get knocked down more. Yeah. Or, or people are going to inspire you to get up and to, and to look for different opportunities. And, and that's definitely right. And that's something that I want to teach my kids to make sure that they are hearing the right things, are believing the right things, and are surrounding themselves with people that are going to challenge them and push them and, and allow them to be better. Yeah. Now, you suffered a lot of abuse as a child. Yes. Uh, what was the age that that abuse started? I would say it started around, at least that I can remember, maybe six years old. Wow. Mm -hmm. So I know your kids right now are a little even older than that. Yes, I have a seven-year-old boy and an 11-year-old girl. Yeah, so that's the age frame that you yourself were going through all of this depth. And you did not have at that point, you did not have like a lending ear that really was supporting you and helping you. And, and maybe encouraging you, even though bad things had happened. You didn't have that until much, much later. Until much later. I think, you know, culturally, um, those kind of things, and we we're talking about this before, that those kind of things were not talked about. That's right. Right? And so yeah. you would come and, and if you would dare share it with somebody, you would run the risk that you would not, that they wouldn't believe you, first yeah. of all. And second of all, um, they would say, well, that's not something we talk about. That's not something we discuss. Yeah. And so you put it to the side. And so it was a long time before I was able to talk to someone who could help or who could give me resources yeah. to start the healing process. Yeah, I did. There's a part in the book where I talk about in my teenage years where, where I did share it with someone. Um, and, I, and, you know, I hoped that by sharing it, I would be able to just get that burden off my yeah, back. get free. Get yeah. free. Um, but unfortunately, that's not what happened. This person just, um, sometimes people say things not realizing the pain and the hurt that they can cause. Right. And that's what happened in that instance. And so I, I regret saying it to her, um, but I think that God used that later, you know, and I think he does. He uses everything that happens um, for good. Now, in that moment, it was just very difficult. Now, I know it's in your book. Do you ever verbalize yes. what that person yes. said? So I, I had shared with this person that I had been abused sexually um, when I was uh, a couple of years younger. Um, and she said, well, you know, uh, girls like you, that have been abused, they either end up being a prostitute or a lesbian. I just can't imagine that. Oh my goodness. That's that, that really, when I read that, Mm -hmm. I, I just kind of became angry. Yes. You know, and it's like, it's, it's so unjust. Number one, it's so uncaring. Number two. Right. And it's so defeating for the person that hears it. So here you have this one kind of jail set of bars that are all around your heart and your life because of what actually right. happened. And then you get a little bit of glimmer of hope that in sharing, you can be free of the burden, have some of that uh, secrecy lifted up mm-hmm. off of you. And instead they come and they put like a new prison upon right. you. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Uh, because with her words, I thought, well, you know what? Maybe she's right. Because oh. what, you know, one man is going to want to be with somebody who has been used and abused and broken. Yeah. And so it's definitely hard when when you share something so deep and so yeah. terrible with someone and get that type of, of response. Now, what did you I have to ask this because I'm curious. I know you, what did you or how did you relate to this person after that? Well, I lived with this person. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so, you so couldn't I had avoid to, them. I couldn't avoid them. Wow. I had to I had to put up with it. Um but I think that I you know, I had this idea in in the back of my mind, like is this what my future is going to be? Mm-hmm. Right? Is this really what and for a couple of years, that that was in the back of my mind. As a fear or as, as just a like fear. you didn't resign necessarily to that? No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, but as a fear. 
yeah. right? As a fear that maybe this is the future. Yeah. Maybe this is, you know, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Were you a believer at all at that point in your life? At that point, we were going to church. Mm-hmm. Um, this person was going to church, served in the church. Um, and that too is heartbreaking to hear. Is, right, yeah. right, exactly. You know, there's a whole thing, I'm sure you've heard this term before, church hurt. Yes. That's out there. And sadly, uh, a lot of people in this day and age have not received good counsel uh, from church members or even some in ministry. And would say that they too walked away with a almost like a new set of chains. That's right. That happens often. And it is really heartbreaking because, you know, the church, I see it as a hospital, right? And people come with pains and hurts. And we, our job is to guide them to Jesus, right? Yeah. Because he is our healer. He is the one that can, that can heal us, but we are the vessels that he uses. Yeah. And so sometimes, and, and, and that's one of the reasons as well, why I wanted to write this book and share my story is because sometimes when we're going through hard stuff, we think I may be the only one. I, I don't know anybody else that has gone through similar situations, mm-hmm. right? But if you think about it, a lot of people in, in their statistics that say that one in three girls have suffered of sexual yeah, abuse, it's, it's one incredible. in 13 boys, right? And so are there people in church that are suffering the same way that I did? Probably. Yeah. Are they talking about it to someone? Probably not. This is not a subject that we talk openly. Even today. Even today. Yeah. And so the reason why I wanted to share my story was to say, you know what? This happens. This happens. It happened to me, but there is hope. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's what the church should be. That's what the church should be. And that's what we're called to be. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible talks about, and this is what you had hoped would happen, whether you knew this verse at that point or not, confess your faults one to another. Now I'd have to even preface that what happened to you was not your fault, right? but you still would, without a doubt, were carrying the guilt and the of burden. that and the burden as if it had been. And that's the the real tragedy about that kind of abuse. You, you did not ask for it. You did not deserve it. You did not uh, inquire on something and later regretted it. It's just in all of its badness and all of its ugliness, it just showed up at your doorstep that's right. and, and knocked on that door and, and boom, there it is. It's happening. But so I, I as I say that verse, I just want to make sure I'm not in all insinuating that this was a fault of any person's life who's gone through. But when you confess your faults, things that you have done or believed or said Mm -hmm. that was wrong, confess your faults one with another so that you can pray for one another and be healed. Now that's the, that's the beautiful end that should come to a scenario like that. Here you confess this burden. It Mm -hmm. wasn't again, your fault. You confess the burden you share all of it with this person mm-hmm. who was a relative, mm-hmm. who you lived with, and boom, instead, there was no prayer for you. Instead, there was a declaration over you. Right. That was in itself now a new sentence. Right. Oh, uh, that, uh, folks, we got to be careful. I know you cover about in your book the power of words yes. and and how words can either bless or they can Yeah, they can curse. be poison. Yeah, they can poison. be poison. So uh, my guest today is Barbara Perez. Holy cow, this first uh, segment has just flown by. Barbara Perez is an attorney in Orlando. She deals with law that uh, has to do with immigration. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. Her book is Through God's Eyes. Highly recommend it. You can get it, I'm sure, on Amazon. Yes. Okay. There you go, friends. You can find this book. Barbara Perez will be back in a moment with me. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144. Or visit ecwaters.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. 
an evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Barbara Perez is my guest today. Barbara is an attorney in the Central Florida area dealing with immigration law, but she has written a book. The book is not about law. The book is not about being an attorney. It's about what happened in her life and how that God redeemed her in her heart, uh, gave her, a, she has a marvelous family, and I have been around these kids on a number of occasions. They're well-behaved. They're lovely. They are just cheerful, fun. Uh, her husband is a guitar-playing dude, uh, and he he's uh, just a fun guy as well. So anybody that plays guitar is already on my good side. Man. <laughs> That's that's what happens. So uh, this book that you've written is, to me, a, a deposit of hope for so many reasons. One of the things that we were talking about during the break, you cover in chapter three in this book, and the, the title of the chapter is Through Your Eyes, Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, Who's the Fairest of Them All? And I think it's so applicable to everything that kids are going through today. I know you didn't write this just to young people. But I tell you what, if, if a, an adolescent were to read this book, I think it would open their eyes to hope. Yes. And we, have, we know that today's adolescents, Barbara, those that are on social media and just about who isn't, that they're not getting hope. They're not. That. They're not. And I, and I talk uh, in the book a little bit about that, how social media is playing uh, such a big role in kids' identities. Yeah. And not only children, um, young people, but also adults. You see pictures in social media, and we don't realize most pictures on social media have been curated, right? They have filters on them. That's a great way to say it. They've been curated. That's right. It's like they've staged. That's right. Every, most pictures of influencers that you see have been staged. Yeah. And we think that's really how people live. That's reality. That's how they look. That's yeah. how, and it's not. It's not reality. It, it's not reality. And and it's causing such uh, harm to our children, especially young girls who want to live up to that, want to yeah. imitate that. And when they look at themselves in the mirror, that's not what they see. Yeah. And I'm sure they're beautiful girls. But when you're comparing to someone who has used tons of makeup, tons of filters, you're never going to live up to that. Right. It is such a danger. And, you know, I, I try to be careful with my kids. They're still young and I see no reason why they need to have social media. There's no reason why I need to introduce this weight on them Yeah. now. Yeah. But unfortunately, so many children, so many teens are already exposed to that. And so now imagine being a teenager, you're already dealing with teenage yeah. stuff add to that all the pressure of having to look like those people. Right. And then add to that the pressure of realizing that just the way God made them, which is for a purpose, that with all of the work and all of the makeup and all of the right haircuts or hairstyles or whatever, they're never, you know, like in my life, I'm never going to be a 6'5 and able to dunk a basketball. <laughs> right. When I was a kid, I wanted to do that more than uh, that it should have been possible. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I never even came close to jumping up and touching the rim. I could touch the net when I could jump. Mm -hmm. And nowadays <laughs> I have to get my six foot step ladder to do that. But the point of it is, is that with all of my efforts, I was never going to have those abilities or if we're talking about the way a person looks, right? no matter what amount of efforts I could make, uh, you know, I, I'm never going to look like that person. Right. And if I have it in my mind, and I think kids do this, mm -hmm. if I have it in my mind that in order to be cool, in order to be accepted, in order to be hip, and you know, and I'm kind of aging myself here, <laughs> some of these terms, you've got to look like that. Right. And that's not true. That That's not true. You know, God made us... Um, he created us and he made you the way he made you because he he knew that he made you for a purpose, mm -hmm. right? 
And he made me the way he made me, the way I look for a purpose. But sometimes we we see through the lenses of social media. We see through the lenses of people's opinions. And so my book is called Through God's Eyes because my challenge is to get people to see themselves the way God sees them. Mm -hmm. Because then you're going to see, oh, that's why I'm like this. That's why he created me like this, because this is the purpose. Yeah, it is the purpose. And, you know, sadly, this is what happens to so many. They never reach the purpose because they get stuck and mired down back again to the ruts. They get stuck on stuff. And if if, uh, social media is one thing, it is this. It's full of stuff. It's full of stuff. Fake stuff. Fake stuff. I like that. Thank mm-hmm. you. You know, uh, Trump always talked about fake news. Yes. Well, th- this is fake stuff. It is. It's fake, fake life. Stuff. That's right. That's yeah. right. And you know, um, in the book, I talk about how sometimes we get into those ruts, right? And we feel bad for ourselves. And sometimes it's valid. I mean, a lot of people went through hard, hard stuff, have, have gone through hard stuff. Yeah. And it's valid to question sometimes and wonder why why did this happen? Why why am I not able to succeed? But the difference is whether you stay in that mindset and just always questioning and blaming and expecting uh, things to be handed to you or saying, you know what, I had no control over what happened in the past. I have no control over how I look or or um, you know, God made me the way he, he made me. Yeah. I have no control over what people say, but I do have control over how I react and how I act and the, the choices that I make. Yes. And in the book, I talk about the difference between a victor and a victim, right? Because a victim is always going to look at all the negative stuff that happened to me. They're always going to find somebody to blame. And they're always going to say, I can't get ahead because, and there's always a justification and a reason. Mm-hmm. A victor says, that happened to me. It was bad. But from now on, I get to make choices and I get to make different decisions. Yep. And I'm no longer going to blame. I'm going to forgive and move on, you know, and forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean having a relationship with the people, with the person that hurt you, mm-hmm. but you're letting go of that sin. You move on. And then from now on, you make decisions and you allow God to show you what the purpose is for your life. And you let him heal you and you let him just make beauty out of those ashes. That's right. And you move forward. I love it. But a lot of people, unfortunately, just get stuck in that victim mentality. And unfortunately, right now in our in our society, being a victim is kind of like the cool thing. Mm-hmm. Right? It really is. Mm-hmm. It's it's so embraced it is. in this culture. You and know? so it's harder to get out because as a victim, you're not expect there's not much ex- there's not much expected from you. Things can be handed to you. Yeah. You can get a pass yeah. because you suffered. But you don't realize that you're losing on a lot of blessings that come from moving from that mentality of victimhood to a mentality of, vi- of victory. Yes. It's a big difference too. And I think that one of the things that I heard as you were sharing all of that is that one of the first things when you are able to come to that point, one of the first things that happens in your life when you're able to look at something bad that happened and make that decision from that point on, that's not going to be the telltale sign of your life. That's not going to be what defines you. That's like one of the first maybe breakthroughs of discernment that can mature a person in spite of what's happened in their life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You can't change what happened to you. I can't change the bad things. I've had people say hurtful things to me in my Mm -hmm. life as well. I can't change it. Right. You can change that, but you can, you can decide how you react. Yeah. And if you take that and own it, or you say, I don't, I don't take that. I know that's not, that's not what, who God says I am. Yeah. I believe who God says I am, and I'm going to walk in his purpose. Yeah. Now, I want to drill back into uh, uh, something we talked about a little bit earlier, and that is the words, the power of words. Uh, in your book, you talk about 
going and getting your hair styled to a different way than what you had worn it before. And you'd, I think, had seen maybe this style that you had in your mind and they cut it that way. But you didn't like it yourself. It was a lot shorter than what you than imagined. Than what I wanted. Yeah, okay. And, and what lady can't relate to that? Right. <laughs> you exactly. know, going to get your hair styled and it just missing the mark maybe by a, a mile. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> just quite honestly. Yes. But it's not... It's not just that you didn't like it afterwards. Right. Share what happened to you. Right. I came back home and this person um, that I lived with, he just looked at me and he's like, oh, what happened to you? You look ugly. Like your hair. (laughs) And so, you know, now I laugh about it. But when you're a teenager, those words just... You're, you're already insecure. Yeah. Teenagers, you know, you're going through that hard, hard time in your life where, where you're trying to figure out who am I? My, you know, your body's changing. Everything's going on. And then you have people who just, again, they just throw words out, not realizing how painful yeah. um, and what that can do to your identity, especially as a young child. It certainly can. You know, you talk about that in your book, Sticks and Stones. Yes. I may break, was it may break your bones, yes. but words will hurt your heart. Yes. Words, they go all the way down deep. They do. And you know, the Bible talks about how that words will like go down into the very inmost being of us, you know, these uh, negative words and hurtful words. And it's really true. You know, I, I, uh, that's kind of like a form of ugliness that happens in our life that goes all the way to the core. That's right. And we have to be careful with what we say, because in the book, I say your words can either be fruit or poison. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't realize the effect that words can have. Yeah. And sometimes it takes years for somebody to forget maybe or, or get over what was said. That's right. A long time. And, and I think that's important for every parent, but it's also important for every grandparent. I'm privileged now to be back in the city. I, we moved four years ago mm-hmm. back, and in the Central Florida area, I have six of my 10 grandkids. So as a grandparent, I have the opportunity to be near my kids, and with that comes one of two things. I can either be a blessing to my grandkids, or I could be without even meaning it, if I didn't watch it, I could be a discouragement. That's right. And I think that this is important for each and every one of our listeners to hear that the power of words affect us more than we think. And we need to look for ways. You know, I love what Paul said to the Philippians. He said, whatsoever things are good, true, pure, uh, lovely, Think upon these things. And I think we could add to that. Speak upon these things. Share those points of encouragement. It's always better that if you have a negative comment to hold it back and not say it. Think about it a while longer before you ever admit to that. And That's right. I think sometimes we just speak because there's silence. And sometimes silence is okay. That's we don't right. have to speak all the time. Yeah. And sometimes we say something, and then we regret it. But it's like, you already said it. It's already out there. It's hard to take it back. Yeah. So we have to be very conscious about the words that come out of our mouths every time with whoever we we speak to. It's especially true with our kids, with our grandkids, but it's also true with friends and maybe distant relatives. There's going to be a lot of that coming around, you know, as, as fun as it can be around Thanksgiving. Uh, holiday season for many families are anything but a fun experience. That's right. Because they're going to be around family members that, quite frankly, they detest. That's right. And some people just have no filter. Yeah. Right? Ooh, how true that is. <laughs> but yeah. but I think we need to. I, I think we need to allow the Holy Spirit to be our filter because we don't know what the person we're talking to, we don't know what they're going through. Yeah. We don't know what situations they're dealing in their heart, in their mind. And we can say a word that can either be a bomb, you know, calming, or we can say a word that is just going to explode something negative. Yeah, I agree. Now, in your book, we've got just enough time to talk about this. You talk about entitlement as well. And the whole sense of entitlement is out there today. 
A lot of uh, young people are often criticized because there's a, a generation that's out there that comes out of college and they feel entitled to make the same salary that their parents made. They And yet they want to live in the same homes that their parents live. There's this great sense, and I think our government has leaned into this yes. and basically trained people to feel entitled. Do you agree? I agree. I agree. And I talk about that in the book. And, you know, I say, if you've suffered, right? And, and I said this just a little while ago. It's okay to for you to question and to maybe be upset for a while, right? Why did I have to go through this? Why did this happen to me? But there comes a point where you have to stop and say, okay, I have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, do I continue just blaming everything, everybody, society, the government, uh, my parents, my relatives, school? Or do I say, you know what? I didn't have a choice in what happened. That's right. But now I'm an adult and now I get to make choices. And now I get to decide that I'm not going to blame people anymore. I'm going to take ownership of my choices. And I see a lot of young people now just expecting everything to be handed to them. Yeah. And it's very sad because I don't think that they realize that they're missing out on opportunities to grow, to mature, because they expect everything. And something interesting that you said was, you know, we, we kids that just graduated are expected, um, they expect to be paid the same amount of somebody that has worked 10 years or, and or that have the experience, yeah. right? And, and you're right. I think our government and society is... Um, just allowing and just expecting kids to, again, expect yeah. everything to yeah. be handed out to them. And I, and I think that's something that, especially for my kids, I try to instill in them work ethic um, to make sure that they don't think that they deserve everything because we don't deserve everything. We, we, it is by grace, right, right. that we are saved but we need to work. We need to work hard. And kids need to see that in operation. They need to see that in their moms and dads. Right. And, you know, because I'm a firm believer that more is caught than taught. For sure. And so when a kid sees mom and doing what you did, Barbara, that had to be inspiring for those little ones that you had because they know one thing for sure, their mom is working hard for the things that she's working at. And then secondly, Kids need to realize what you just said while they go is that things are not going to be, life doesn't happen this way where everything is just handed to them. Sometimes you have to be patient. Sometimes you have to work at it a long while before you get the fruit of what uh, is going to come. And I think that you value that more. Right. You value something more when you've had to work hard for it that's right. As opposed to something just being handed to you, you don't care about it. It didn't cost you anything. You don't, you don't, it doesn't matter to you. That's right. Let's pick that up. I'm up against a break. Let's pick that up when we get back. Barbara Perez is with me. She has authored the book, Through God's Eyes. We'll be right back. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Visiting today with Barbara Perez, attorney Barbara Perez from Orlando, and she has written the book called Through God's Eyes. The subtitle is Eight Truths to Help You Rise from Victimhood to Victory. Now, I've not been counting as we've gone along whether or not we are hitting a lot of these uh, answers that you've given, but boy, the things we have talked about. So uh, as as I said in the break, Barbara's going to have to come back because She's just too articulate at these very helpful things. You know, I think a lot of times uh, people go to a conference, Barbara, and they'll hear 
a really, really good speaker like yourself. And they'll come away from that conference like, I wish I'd heard this before. I, I, I wish I'd known this 10 years ago or 30 years ago. I have the feeling that what's happening today to our listeners is they're going like, this is just downright good common sense. Why haven't I heard it before? Right. And maybe, maybe that's that's really a good, you know, we were talking at the end of the segment about how kids are entitled and they think that I should have it right from the get-go. I need to graduate from uh, college. And, you know, the sad thing is some of the kids are in that boat. They'll graduate from college and given a six-figure income right away. And I have the feeling that they're not going to have the same viewpoint or perspective that a person who gets out of college and maybe makes 30000 And now it's tough. I know. I know. I get it. But, uh, you know, sometimes uh, people get married and they'll, for a while, have to do what you guys did. You had your two income. Right. And, and that there's nothing that's the, all that unusual or all that bad with that. But, but to expect that I'm going to be making the same level that someone that's been working at it for 35 years is unrealistic. It is. You know, my husband, one of his first jobs here in the U.S. was a dishwasher. And now he uh, teaches culinary arts um, here in, in Orlando. And I can just see what he learned from those jobs. Right. Dishwashing. Right. What can yeah. you learn from dishwashing? Yeah. A lot. You can learn work yeah. ethic. That's right. There's so many things that you can learn in those low paying jobs that are going to help you in your future when you have those high paying jobs even you, getting along with people even getting along with people yeah. how to treat people right. how to treat people when you're not front and center when you're in the back and nobody sees you right yeah that's right and so i think that that you're right a lot a lot of our kids are not getting those opportunities and i think that's that's a shame it's a shame because they're not going to learn those skills that are going to help them in the future you know what really blows my mind too, Barbara, on that, what you just said. They're not learning skills. They're not even learning facts and uh, life skills in school. There are a number of kids today that can't even write cursively. And I'm I'm just blown away that our education system has come down to where we have kind of diminished so many things that were front and center when I was growing up. When, and this has been true for, for you know, a couple of thousand years you think what in the world? And now kids aren't going to write, you know, the, everything. I think priorities have changed yeah. in schools oh. and what we teach our kids. And we've forgotten the basics, math, reading, that's yeah. the core, but we've forgotten that. And there's other things that have been introduced that don't need to be introduced yeah. right now for children. And, and I think that's a shame. Yeah, it really is a shame. Now, I know, again, for someone like yourself who reads as much as you've read in your lifetime, uh, to read about what's going on in a lot of our public schools, not only are they not learning to write, not only are they not learning to, let's say, understand history, because what's being taught today in history, it's a far cry from what is historical. Right. You know, revisionism is alive and well mm -hmm. in our schools, especially colleges, but, you know, they're, they're also being exposed to stuff in school that is unthinkable, even pornographic stuff. Unthinkable. And then you look at graduation rates and they're dropping, right? Or you look at kids that are graduating who, like you just said before, don't know how to write, don't know how to read. Yeah. It's really incredible that we've come to this in what is, I still believe, the greatest country on planet earth. And yet we've got a long way to go because we've gone a long way away from God. That's right. That's why it's happening. That's right. That's right. And you know, we, this year we actually decided to homeschool our kids and this is a new, um, that doesn't we, surprise me about you, Barbara. We, it's not something that we planned, but we believe that, um, it is our job to teach our children and they're not getting taught the ethics and the values that mm -hmm. we wish to instill in them. And so we decided that this was the best choice for us. Yeah. We made that decision in 1985. Wow. And when we began ho to homeschool, it was at a time when it was still uh, taboo in a lot of areas in the country. You, people you didn't uh, think it was legal and we had to be careful. 
uh, truancy was happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, parents were getting in trouble uh, w- with homeschooling. Now we, that's kind of funny to talk about that now right? when, you know, the pandemic comes and, and so many people are technically homeschooling, even though I don't think they actually mm-hmm. had the heart and spirit of a homeschooler, but they did it. And they found out it was one of the silver linings that happened was they actually found out what their kids were being taught. Exactly. And that was an eye-opening experience for a lot of people. And some people pulled their kids out, even though pandemic is over, their kids are going back to school. They pulled their kids out and they're homeschooling them. Yes, a lot of families are doing that. And I think Florida is a very uh, homeschool-friendly state. Yeah. And I think we have to take advantage of that. There are so many things I want to talk about, and I just don't have enough time to get into all of them. Uh, But this chapter four, you kind of almost hit on it while ago. You almost said the same words. The title of chapter four is, It's Not All About You. And I I kind of laughed when I got to that chapter and read, I'm thinking of the song that we love. It it was uh, Jesus, Lover of My Soul. The chorus goes, It's All About You, Jesus. Uh, it's not about us as if we should we should, could do things or we should do things our way. Right. You alone are God and I surrender to your will. Mm-hmm. So it really isn't about us. And that's really what your title is all about in this chapter. And you talk about how that, uh, you know, kids today live as if it were all kids about Kids and them. adults. Yeah. Kids and adults. I think that we think that everything that goes around us has to do with us. And sometimes I give some examples in the back of how, you know, sometimes we send a text and we don't get a reply back. And we're thinking, did I say something wrong? What did I do? And maybe has nothing to do with you. Maybe the person is going through something. They didn't even look at your text they're preoccupied with something else, but we automatically think it has to do with me. It's about me. Yeah, it's right? about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's got to be about me. And if it's not about me, here's what's really sad. People say, if it's not about me, if it's not something I like, I'm not interested. And that shuts down. I mean, think about what you've just done to yourself. You've cut yourself out of everything you don't know, which, hello, there's a lot more you don't know, friend, than what you do. Right. I mean, that's true. I mean, to think that a person would want to want to live their life just according to everything they know about. Right. It's insane. Right. right. But that's what they do. You say something in here. Uh, I love this. Unfortunately, you said, some of us continue to think we are the center of the universe. The idea can manifest in different ways in our lives. One of those ways is taking offense to everything that happens or is done to us. This would happen to me when my husband came home. And was grouchy. I don't know if, did you clear that with, um, (laughs) (laughs) when he comes home and he's grouchy or showed an unpleasant attitude, my first thought, and I think this is what so many couples do. My first thought was always, what did I do wrong? There must be something wrong with me. Right. But you go on to explain that it could have just been that he had a really rough day. And that's likely what happened. And it happens to us all. Who among us is not at off? at some point right, in time right. or who among us do not come home and we're a little bit grouchy or we're a little undone. Or like you said in your book, um, maybe somebody may have cut him off on the way home or he might've just about been in an accident mm-hmm. and that can be very upsetting. And then we come home and we expect everybody to be on best, best behavior. Right. And, and I say, you know, something that has helped me with this personally is to start with the premise that people don't usually come from a bad place. People are not out to get me. People are not out thinking, how can I make her day a, a bad day? How can I, how can I offend her? That's not how people walk. That's people right. are walking around. Yeah. How can I make you miserable? Right. That's <laughs> not, it's maybe it happens once in a while, yeah. but most of the time, People are dealing with their own issues. People are dealing with their own stuff, Yeah. right? And so they're not thinking about us, but because we have this mentality that everything has to be about us, we think that that's how people act, and it's not. It's not. And if we hold them to that, if we hold everybody to it, what a miserable relationship. That's a high standard. Yeah. That's like one of those legalisms that no one can ever meet. Exactly. 
Exactly. It's and miserable. and then we are miserable and we make others around us miserable. Yeah. yeah. You know, I get a feeling that uh, people will be saying to you, Barbara, after they hear this, you should be a psychologist on the air, like ask <laughs> Dr. Barbara. <laughs> you know, you're really good at giving advice. I really do mean Thank that. Thank you. And your book is just that. I, I think it's just marvelous when a person can open up their heart the way you've done and you obviously have learned a lot of life lessons and you're still learning them right? because you have small kids and that just means you're got a lot to learn. <laughs> a lot to learn, a lot to learn. You know, I love it. Yeah, I know there's more yet to come. You haven't hit those teenage times yet and that's going to be great, but you're going to do marvelous because your work ethic, as you've talked about, is such that you're going to be prepared to deal with it and bounce along with the kids and and adjust and trust here's the most important thing trust in god mm -hmm. in that day and because i know you're not one who's living like well i've already learned it everything let's just move on right you know that's not the way it is barbara i really appreciate how can people get a hold of your book again i know that we mentioned amazon are there other sources yes so you can get my book through amazon and you can go on my instagram barbara perez and you can get it through a link there or Facebook, Barbara Press as well. Okay. Now we got just enough time. Tell us about what you're doing. What are the days like right now in your law firm? So right now I am, like I said, I'm homeschooling. So I divide my time between um, being a teacher for my children and then also my law practice. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful that I am able to do both. That's amazing. And um, and I'm also grateful because I have a husband that supports me in my choices and my decisions. And we always sit down and think what's best for our family in this season. And right now we think this is what it is. And I enjoy my work. I enjoy helping people. And it's interesting that even though I do, I practice immigration law, I get to have a lot of talks with people in regards to things in my book. I bet you do. And I think that is the biggest blessing that I have. And I enjoy it so much. You have a marketplace ministry right there. That's right. That's what you're doing. Well, Barbara, you're a delight. Your family, they are delightful. Uh, tell Felix I said hello. And my goodness, it has been so great to hear from you and to glean from the wisdom of this book. Once again, friends, it's called Through God's Eyes, Eight Truths to Help You Rise from victimhood to victory. Barbara Perez, thank you again for being here. Thank you, Mike, for having me. And friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.